Well, for several weeks now, we have been thinking through this word disciple, to be made a disciple. And we've been looking at a passage, a famous passage, the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And we looked at what this kind of means and we, we settled on it as being an apprentice, to be an apprentice of Jesus, to sit at the feet of the master and to become more like him, to learn our craft, to be a witness to the master apprentice. Well, when I think of apprentice, I think of young women, young men leaving school uh, and going off to learn a trade, uh, which uh, is it, it's funny because one of my favorite things to do is watch funny videos on YouTube. And uh, some of the best videos you can watch uh, how these young apprentices get tricked into doing some hilarious things. It's a bit nasty, but it's also really funny. Um, so some of my favorite things that they get them to do is to go down to the hardware shop to buy some tartan paint or to go get a left-handed screwdriver or left-handed hammer. Uh, can you go down the shop for a long wait? Uh, that's a good one, isn't it? Uh, can you get a bubble for the spirit level? Um, some of the best videos would be where you see then doing a wheelbarrow proficiency test where they're doing three-point turns and reversing around corners um, or the classic cement bag strength test where the young apprentice holds the bag of cement above their head and the nasty builder cuts it open and they're covered in cement. I mean, it is nasty, but it's also really funny, so it's okay. Um, and it can feel a bit like that when we are disciples of Jesus, can't it? We're told to be a follower, to be an apprentice, um, but that's daunting. And like those young apprentices, we don't necessarily know what that means. We don't really know what we're doing. Um, and it can just be a little bit overwhelming. Well, this morning, I want us to explore a bit more practically what it means to be that apprentice, to be a witness or a disciple of Jesus. And to do that, I want us to look at the book of Acts um, and look at the early example of the early church to see how they responded to the good news of Jesus, how they became followers, became apprentices. So we're going to look at the first couple of chapters of Acts this morning. Uh, and first of all, we're going to look at Acts 1 verse 8, and it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Does this sound familiar? Well, if you've been with us now since the beginning of the year, I think that will sound familiar. It sounds very much like the Great Commission, doesn't it? I mean, some different words used there, sure, but it's the same circumstances. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is who he says he is. And now he's walking around, he's, he's teaching, he's doing wonders and signs, uh, and he's preparing the apostles for what is coming next. That Jesus is going to ascend up to heaven but he's not going to leave them on their own. Do you see that? He, they will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And John touched on this last week, looking at how the Holy Spirit gives power to that discipleship. But it's familiar, isn't it? And what is important to emphasize is that spirit. It's spirit-led discipleship. This is really important. No one is asking you to be better, to do better, to find some inner strength inside yourself to be a better person. No, you're being asked to believe that if Jesus rose from the dead, that you are to receive 
this Holy Spirit to be transformed. And when we think of the church, then we think of the church as a body of followers of Jesus who are united, they're gathered around a real person, the real Jesus who has risen and is alive. And he is at the very center, at the very heart of everything that we do. He is guiding us as a community. And the church then is gathered around this very real person and that witness, that discipleship, that apprenticeship, whatever you want to call it, is empowered by God's spirit to bear to the reality of who Jesus is. So everything that we think of when we become a follower of Jesus, it is rooted and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're going to now just turn to Acts chapter 2, and this is going to be our main passage for the morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So things have happened, the Spirit has come, the gospel is proclaimed, uh, and then we see this. They, this is the believers, those who have received the good news about Jesus, have been baptized, received the Spirit, become followers of Jesus. This is what they, they said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. And what did they devote themselves? To the teachings of the apostle. We're going to call that this morning learning. They devoted themselves to fellowship. We're going to think of that as uh, sharing. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. So we're going to think of that as uh, together and then to prayers. Or we're going to think of that as prayers or, or worship. So they're going to be our four points of this morning. Learning, sharing, together and worship. So if we begin with the first point, learning, the teaching of the apostles. You know, again, this is very similar to what we saw in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything that Jesus has commanded them. This is Jesus' teaching, his life, everything he taught. And then we add on to that then, the apostles' teaching. What they said was the implications of this good news. So is the apostles' teaching, is this the gospel? Yes, it is. But we've got to think of it as much wider than that. We see in Acts, if you were to look further back in chapter 2, we see Peter, one of the apostles, he tells a compelling story of how Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection and his final ascension into heaven is real and what those implications are, why that is good news and the impact it will have on you and I. It's compelling and we know it's compelling uh, because we see in verse 41 um, that those who accepted this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number. Can you imagine trying to baptise 3,000 people? But the Apostles' teaching is more than just this compelling story of the good news of Jesus. It is how the story of Jesus is so far-reaching it will impact every area of my life and your life. It impacts how I use my money. It impacts how I use my time, my possessions, how I react and relate to other people. So here's a question. Why can't I just boil down my following Jesus, my Christian life, to just a Sunday? Why can't I just compartmentalise it? And we compartmentalise most of our life, don't we? And that's a good thing often. We have a work life. 
and we have our home life. We have our family life and then we have our interests, maybe going to the gym or a particular hobby. And we, we separate these things up. And that's not a bad thing, but why can't we do that with Jesus? Why can't my Christian life be compartmentalized to a Sunday gathering? Well, we've got a few clues about why we shouldn't be doing that this morning. Firstly, we are told to be devoted. Devoted to learning the apostles' teaching. Uh, devoted to a, a life of learning what it means to follow Jesus. And when we think of devotion, I don't need to define that for you this morning. It's a word we know. It's one of those words that we know by looking at it, what it means. A passionate commitment to do something. To do what in this situation? But a devotion to the apostles' teaching. So how Jesus applies to every nook and cranny of my life. And to be devoted to that. It's hard to think how you could possibly reduce that or compartmentalize that to just a Sunday. Second, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. If we think of the apostles' teaching, uh, we have the letters of some of the apostles. And in Ephesians 4, we're going to kind of be looking at uh, verse 20. It says this, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of what? Your minds and to put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, to learn the apostles' teaching is to learn the way of Jesus. You heard the gospel, it says that you heard it, and because you heard it and you accepted it and you put off your old way of living, you were given, what, a new mind, so a new way of thinking about the world, and you have been given a new creation, a new, you're a new person. You're no longer your old self, but you've been given a new way of living. So we have a new way to live and a new way to think about the way we live. This is good news. This is a story. The good news is a story that makes me into a new person, that gives me the opportunity to live a new way, and it gives me a new mind to think about the world through that prism of who Jesus is. And thirdly, if we come back to our passage in Acts in chapter 2, it's not only this teaching, this way of learning that we are to be committed to, we're to be devoted not only to learning the way of Jesus, but we are to be devoted to other habits and other routines and rhythms for our lives that just tell us this cannot possibly be something I can just compartmentalize to a Sunday morning. This is a learning that is going to take us a lifetime as we learn to live in a world where Jesus is at the center to think about the world differently, to use our, our new way of being human and our new way of thinking about what that means. So we are to be devoted to learning the way of Jesus. What else are we to be devoted to? It says there we are to be devoted to fellowship. Now I've said this is sharing. Why? Well, because fellowship is it's a church word, isn't it? 
it's a word that we we know but we don't really know what it means i mean if you come from the kind of background i come from i think of fellowship as um it's not quite as good as the preaching or the teaching or bible studies but it's a bit little bit better than just socializing in town with your friends that fellowship is kind of hanging out but in a church context and what's that really mean it's meaningless isn't it well the word fellowship comes from the greek and it comes from the word koinonia or and it's probably the only greek word i know it's probably the only greek word you know it's such a famous greek word uh, it means fellowship or maybe in english a better way of thinking about it is community but even that is a word that has got real no real meaning attributed to it because we've overused it we've weakened it we've watered it down so today i want us to think of it as sharing or and more important sharing in our commonness. Well, what do I mean by that? Our commonness or in commonness. We're sharing because we have something in common. We see this in Acts chapter 2. Um, they are devoted to fellowship. We see it a little bit further down then. Um, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They had everything in common. What's that thing they have in common? That thing they have in common is that they are a new creation. They have a new way of living. They have a new way of thinking. And that thing is revolves around who Jesus is. Jesus is at the center. And the result of that in commonness, 45, verse 45, they sell their possessions and their goods and they gave to anyone as had a need. And we see later on that no one had a need because of this. There was sharing because of this in commonness. So do we simply become communists and live in a commune? No, you might be glad to hear. But there is a serious challenge to our individualistic culture here in the West. That our in commonness in Jesus calls us to be devoted to sharing our lives. More importantly, sharing also our possessions, our stuff with other people. It's a call to be less individualistic and to see other people and to see that I am in common with them because of Jesus. It's not a call to sell everything you have. This is a call for you to see Jesus and to want to open yourself to other people. And you see these points are really heavily interconnected, aren't they? As we learn the way of Jesus, we will share ourselves with others. Why? Because at the very heart is a self-giving story of the love of Jesus on the cross to give people like you and me life. That is at the centre of this story. So how could we not then share ourselves and our stuff? So we're devoted to share. We're devoted to learn the way of Jesus. We're devoted to sharing what is next. Well, if you look down at our passage, they're devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, I'm going to say this is devoted to togetherness. Because the breaking of bread, does it include communion? Sure, of course it includes communion, but it's not just communion. We see there, don't we, in verse uh, 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple court, so big, large gatherings. Uh, but they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In the ancient world, in the early church, communion 
wasn't this sanitized thing that we do now where we have the crumb crumb of bread and a, a shot of fruit juice but it was a meal sat around the table this is the way that jesus introduced it they sat around the table together and they had actual loaves of bread and actual glasses of wine and and they would share this meal and we see this in the letters in the new testament that this was a meal where people met together in one another's homes so as we look at this to be devoted to breaking of bread we see a clue here that it is opening not only our lives but opening our homes together to to stop seeing our faith uh, following Jesus as this individual pursuit but seeing that actually we need to be together in this sharing together they're devoted to opening their lives ideally around a meal table wouldn't it be great if we could open our homes to one another more so so we could sit around tables and eat and feast together and a meal is sat in someone's home around someone's table is a personal thing it shows that i'm letting you into my space into my home where where i live together our relationships happen in that setting don't they I mean, think of Sundays, if, if you meet in person in one of our Sunday gatherings. It's just too busy and too big and too impersonal and there's too much going on to really make deep relationships. So we, some of those best relationship making happen in the home, don't they? We are to be devoted to this togetherness. So... If you are not in one of our, in our small groups, we call them rooted groups, get connected. If you can't be in a rooted group because of certain things going in your, in your life, get to know a rooted group, be known to a rooted group so that they can be praying for you. I urge now that kind of COVID looks like it's relaxing and we're going to something that resembles something of normality, whatever that might be, that we might open our homes and that we may eat together. We would invite people to eat and drink with us. Do you see then, we, we are learning the way of Jesus by sharing our stuff and our lives together. And then finally, we're going to look at our final point uh, this morning. Uh, they were devoted to prayer. And we think of that, um, and we're going to think about that in the context in which they said, these first believers, they would have been Jewish. Um, that would be their context. The prayers, what are the prayers? The prayers are a way of worshipping who God is. We, we think of some of the old, the famous Jewish prayers. We think of the Shema, the great Shema in, in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And they would say that every day and rejoice in who God is. We read through the Psalms and we see a celebration of worship of who God is. So we're being called to be devoted to worship, to worship our God. And if we think of that Shema in Deuteronomy 6, we see how Jesus said it. Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And this is interesting. It doesn't say with all your strength. He says with all your mind. As we are given new minds to think about this, with that new mindset, we are to think about God. And then what else does he add on to the Shema? Not only to think about, uh, to love our God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind, but to love your neighbour as yourself. 
This is a big challenge, isn't it? This is the worship of God. And we see this as well in our passage. Um, as we look down in, in verse 47, uh, with sincere hearts, they were praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. We are to be devoted to worship to God. But here's, here's another thing I want to say. I think in the context of verse 42, you could almost conclude that by being devoted to these ways of life, these routines, these habits, these new rhythms, that in and of itself is a worship to Jesus. As we learn the way of Jesus by sharing together, that is in and of itself worship. Now, this isn't particularly deep or insightful this morning, and, and that's a good thing. It's not meant to be complicated, but it isn't easy either, is it? It is about learning a new way of life with Jesus as the focus. Uh, and this isn't done alone. It is done with others by sharing my life and my time and my stuff together with others gathered as we look to be personally involved in each other's lives to worship Jesus together. This learning shapes our identity, our values. It shapes our interactions and our relationships. A new story about what to do with your money and your career and your relationships. And it takes a lifetime of learning with the Holy Spirit at the center empowering all of that empowering what it means to live in this world as a new creation in Jesus. And we share all of this stuff. We share all of this because at the very foundation, the foundation story of this community is a God who is fully devoted to his people and has given them everything. We are learning a new way of living and being by the renewing of our minds. And we cannot do this on our own. It happens together in our commitment to one another, by spending time together, by sharing with each other. And all of this is an act of worship to our God. Now, if that sounds good to you, if that's something you want to know more about, why don't you put something in the comments this morning? If you want to kind of get connected, if you want to join one of those community groups that we call rooted groups, well, get in touch. We can put you in touch with people, get you connected where you live. Well, thank you for listening this morning.